and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. This is a very special bonus episode for you this week. Netflix has been in heavy rotation on the entertainment news shows lately, and for good reason. Uh, From their massive dip in stock value a few months ago to their resurgence in social cachet with Stranger Things dominating the TV conversation, and now the mixed bag of news coming out of their second quarter earnings call, Netflix continues to set the tone for the streaming market for better or for worse. So today, I brought on Casey Moore of What's on Netflix to help me sort out where Netflix stands right now what Netflix sees for their future, and of course, what is coming soon to Netflix that will have us begging for more. And does The Gray Man, starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, which starts this Friday on Netflix after a week in theaters, make the cut? Chris and Shane will be back next week to review that film in full, plus Nope from director Jordan Peele. But right now, let's get to my conversation with Casey Moore. All right, Casey Moore from What's on Netflix is with us. Glad to see you, sir. Like, I haven't seen you in quite a while because my former podcast, the Netflix Original Movie Podcast, uh, I obviously had you on many times because it fits the bill. But it's not like we don't not cover Netflix anymore over on (laughs) on this channel. We covered the crap out of Stranger Things, uh, for starters. We even covered Senior Year. We don't care. We cover whatever we feel like as long as it's out there and people are hopefully watching it and we enjoy it. Uh, How are you, sir? I know uh, it's been a big, uh, tumultuous few months for Netflix, and I don't know how much you you kind of sense that heat or not. Uh, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to say. Uh, um, our stuff is is very much just still uh, covering what's uh, new and what's coming up. So it, like that hasn't changed. But yeah, there's a lot of change behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, and and it, yeah, it depends where you are in the world too, right? Um, you know, in the UK that we've just got Paramount Plus. So that's become a bit more, uh, you know, it's more competitive over here. So I think we're just seeing a, a, a global rollout of of problems for Netflix, uh, headwinds and and. Yeah, hopefully they can get out of it, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, it depends on the day or the place or any of that stuff, because what was it, just uh, yesterday, because we're recording this on Wednesday, the uh, earnings call for the second quarter for Netflix just came out, and as opposed to, say, the last few months... Uh, when the market was a little more uh, pessimistic on Netflix and streaming as a whole, to be quite honest. Um, I've never seen more optimism grow from someone losing money, but Netflix (laughs) uh, definitely got a boost yesterday when they said that they only lost, only lost 970,000 subs in second quarter. Uh, which was half of what was projected. A lot of people are attributing uh, Stranger Things as to the reason for that, um, which we can get into kind of strategy stuff to see if that's going to help them going forward. Uh, They also mentioned that they expect to sign up to 1 million subs in the next quarter. Uh, Their shares went up 6%. Uh, They kind of renewed the faith that prolonged subscriber loss is maybe unlikely. Uh, going forward mm-hmm. and but the stock is still down 67 percent for the year which is alarming and uh you know hopefully you know maybe this means that this will go ticking up slightly especially when you consider that netflix uh reported that in june of course again with a little more stranger things stuff going around 
they were at 7.7% total TV share, which is an all-time high for them. Yeah, and that's just in the US. I actually imagine that number is far greater outside the US. Um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a, a strange few years because obviously we saw them absolutely balloon during the pandemic. Um, you know, we're, we're around just before 2019 numbers really in the stock. But obviously, Netflix has always traded on on infinite growth. And, and unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's there anymore. Um, and the biggest problem for streamers is, is is finding out what their total addressable market is. And I think a lot of people have realized it's probably maybe in the short term, a lot smaller than what, what most people thought it would be. Um, and, and obviously, we're, we're Although they only lost a million subscribers, it's interesting where they gained some and, and lost some. And, it, it, you know, in particular, the US and, and Europe is where they lost the most, but then gained some in, in Asia, um, which I think is going to be a story we see across across streamers as, as in the next year to come. Yeah, because I heard they reduced prices in India. So it's not a shock that some of that wave did happen in that direction, especially when you consider they increased prices here. And then, yes. and then also, uh, and in your area, I believe too, because again, the I know at least uh, North America was pretty bad in terms of churn uh, with Netflix, as you mentioned. But I don't know, I don't remember the UK numbers specifically off the top of my head. But as you said, the the competition increases. You just mentioned Paramount Plus. I don't know what else maybe you're waiting for along the way, but I know that here. There's a million options, uh, you know, mm-hmm. of various degrees, but, you know, it, it, it's a crowded marketplace and maybe growth is not going to happen as much, which is something that you and I have actually talked about a lot in the past that they, they either need, you know, they either need to be acquired. They need to acquire something. They need a side hustle like Disney does where they have tourism. They have uh, theme parks, you know, the whole whole shebang where they can they have assets that can grow them in different directions. And Netflix has just Netflix. So instead of going in those directions, it seems they seem to do small acquisitions and then now have announced that the ad supported tier section is going to happen uh, with Microsoft helping them on the ad sales and tech side, looking more like early 2023. What have you heard about that? What have you seen that has made you go, that's not true, or this is false? I, I think what surprises me is the uh, is the whiplash that you get um, uh, reading some of these announcements. You know, it wasn't too long ago where, you, where they said they'd never touch ads with a barge pole. And now all of a sudden, within like six months, not only are we getting ad tiers, you know, it's it, they're getting it ready to, to launch. And it, it all it almost uh, smells desperation and it goes back to that problem of you know how big can uh, Netflix subscriber base be yeah um, but it kind of feels like they're following suit on that front um, on, on the ads tier because you know HBO Max has it um, all, all the all the big ones now have it and yeah, Disney, Disney just has it yeah yeah, so Disney Plus is soon soon to have it so um, yeah it feels like they're following suit on that front and I think the house sharing uh, stuff is is sort of like their second prong to get some growth back into it it'll be interesting to see whether they can get that to work i think it's going to be very very hard in practice um and and doing it in a in a way that doesn't frankly just tick people off yeah um particularly because the tech has to be so good to identify what exactly a household is you know if you're around a buddy's house watching it on your phone does that count um yeah so uh, uh Doing it in a way that doesn't annoy people, um, but they, ha- but yeah, they have to do it. And as you say, they're they're not they don't have as many arms as much as these other people right. do. Um, but on the on the on the same, on, you know, on the, on the flip 
side of that, um, you know, they don't also have the challenges that some of these legacy media companies have got, where they're managing decline on some of their other stuff um, and investing big bucks into their own streamers um, and, and still losing money. You know, I'm pretty sure Disney is still losing money on Disney Plus, um, despite, you know, huge, huge subscriber numbers. So price rises and ad tiers, right. they're, you know, they're in the same boat and who knows what we're now headed into for the economy and what that does to people's budgets. Yeah. And obviously you have the ad sales part of it and uh, the uh, also the password crackdown uh, that has <laughs> been a thing kind of like battered around for quite some time. So they're hoping to kind of squeeze a lot of people who maybe aren't paying for it directly to at least pay something. And that's where we're going to, they're hoping to see more ad growth, but that's when you've been doing this strategy for so long, it's bound to piss people off. It's going to, it's good. There is going to be some churn, but there, I don't know if they think they can make it up in how many new subs they'll get versus people who will just be like, forget Netflix. They piss me off. Yeah, I think the ad tier is going to be far more simpler in practice. You know, I think what you see is what you get. Um, whereas with account sharing, I think that there's there's probably a lot of levels that you could look into it. I mean, there's probably a, a, quite a few, you know, serial abusers out there yeah. where you've got one account that's feeding 20 people and they're all just using the same profiles. Right. Um, so so you, one could argue that they're not a very valuable subscriber in the first place. And if you knocked that one person off, you know, how many would then eventually from that 20 that's using it get it on? And, you know, even if you just assume that most people have got four or five people using it, you know, um, then there, there's there's a lot of extra subs out there. I think I think the way that I would do it um, is trying to reward ownership of an account. I don't know how that looks in practice. I think mm. if, as, as we go more into theatrical, you could reward uh, people with, um, you know, price off the cinema tickets, you know, they've got the Netflix shop um, and, a, and a few other things. But, you know, as I say, doing it in a way that doesn't tick people off while also, you know, at the end of the day, you know, getting their fair fair share of money from people that are, you know, using Netflix. Um, For sure. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fine-tuned balance and act. I think the ad tier is a, is a lot uh, is a lot easier in, in practice. I think that they, there's a lot of synergy with Microsoft. It also doesn't let... Um, a fox in the hen house if there's yeah. a lot of the other comp- uh, people that were competing for it you know comcast if they had all netflix's numbers they could easily then you know put that into their own practice and google well you know they've they've, they've got their own uh, <laughs> uh-huh. their, their own stuff that they need to you know prioritizing so i think microsoft's a good fit um i i, I particularly like in the future how that might work with the gaming stuff because i think get gaming over the last uh, year or so or when we're coming up on a year soon um, I don't think it's made the impact that they wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure if I asked you to name a handful of games, you probably would struggle. I could not. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's um, yeah that 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 strategy is still. I, I don't think that was ever a good strategy getting into mobile gaming as big as they have. Um, but you know, it's clearly where they they want to be heading. So yeah, how do you feel this characterization of Netflix? is in the marketplace because to me uh, a lot of this is more about their stock evaluation and some of their future stuff but as far as streaming goes they are still very much the head of everything and really setting the pace for the streaming market they currently have 220.7 million subs they're the only streamer who's actually making money from streaming as opposed to like everybody else who's 
starting in streaming and then getting propped up by other parts of the business. If you're Apple, you're Disney, you're Amazon, you know, there's things yeah. that are, make a lot more money that you can now kind of make some mistakes along the way here and still keep a, a balance sheet in the positive. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, they, they get ripped apart for more of the things that they don't do or, or just even just the limited growth of streaming overall. Because even when their numbers were good from this earnings call, the, their streaming competitors all rose more than 1% in uh, Wednesday's pre-market session. And that kind of happened when they went down, too, that it was across the board. I think there's just a loss of faith in streaming as a long-term money market play. Do you, do you see that maybe kind of happening? Or Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, because ultimately the theory is, you know, how many people that can you get to subscribe to these and how many will each person subscribe to? Um, and I think really what it comes down to at the end of the day for, you know, podcasts like you and consumers like me and you is really just about content. True. Um, you know, it, it, are you getting your money's worth? Um, a lot of people in the US, I think, over the last few years with the amount of removed content uh, would probably argue that the, the, the value proposition has diminished significantly, um, which I think is why we're seeing in the US at least more short-term license deals um, on, on some big shows just right. to keep keep people ticking over and, and the big movie ones as well, which I think is a... Uh, with Sony and the and the Universal, I think that's you could argue is a damning indictment on the output of Netflix movies. But I, 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 yeah, as I say, it really comes down to content at the end of the day. And obviously, Netflix has been on a big shift as to and and ultimately, it's art, right? So it's going to come down to subjective. I think Disney Plus is going to have its dedicated audience, um, and what they put out is not going to be for everyone. I think HBO has really nailed. Uh, um, you know the the high quality stuff. So is Apple, right? Um, but you could argue that some of the stuff they're putting out is diminishing. Some of the HBO Max originals, you know, you wouldn't find out a place having a, a Netflix logo slapped on it. So <laughs> yeah. re- really, really, it's just a case of subjectiveness of what you believe is value for your money, um, and you're ultimately going to go with what you think's worth it. So. Well, it's also kind of just looking across the other streamers and what is successful for them. Netflix is one of the rare places where the binge model is the primary thing that they do. And not everybody does that. I feel like the evolving thing in streaming is deciding when you have a property or you have something that you think is a hit or should be a hit because it's a uh, a sequel season, you know, something extra that's coming through. People are slightly altering their models and being strategic in terms of the release dates. I point to Stranger Things first and foremost for Netflix where maybe they're evolving too and maybe for the better. Um, Stranger Things, it's no, when you look at it, it shouldn't be a shock to people that this was, the volume one was released towards the end of second quarter, which helped them uh, maybe buoy some of those second quarter numbers that people thought they were going to have. And then volume two is right at the beginning of quarter three so when they go oh look at how many people we added in quarter three it's also because of stranger things so they're they're learning how to kind of maneuver these things to work in not only their numbers but also it might be more beneficial to keep the conversation going and that's what i'd be interested to know from you because you have a a site like what's on netflix where you're constantly trying to feed the monkey in terms of uh what's coming out or or what's important to a netflix subscriber 
And yeah. you probably had so many extra articles about Stranger Things because it was so big of a monster. Do you think that because of the volume separation that that actually helped them in terms of prolonging a conversation and really engaging more with the the consumer? Yeah, undoubtedly. And I, I think we're seeing it evolve a little bit. I don't think we'll ever go to weekly. I, I, I've, I've outlined my, my reasons for that a lot, load of times. I, I think if you go to weekly, I think you suck all the air out of the room for over an eight, eight week period, which doesn't allow anything new to really come on. Sure. Uh, you know, come out. Um, if you look at the weeks that Kenobi and Miss Marvel have now come on to Disney Plus, you know, have they released anything else in between them? Um, and in reality, I think I worked out that, you know, between season one of sorry volume one of stranger things and then volume two netflix added like 60 something netflix originals right um and so you could argue that none of them would have had oxygen to breathe uh had they done that um but yes i i think if you look at the google trends for these weekly episodes you often see a big bump at the start um and then a big bump at the end so by splitting the seasons into two which they've now been doing for at least two years you know we sort of lucifer they they split that ozark yeah uh, Ozark's a good one. Uh, Manifest, they'll be doing the same there with the last 20 episodes. Oh, really? That. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I think what what we'll see is a continuation of that, and it just really allows them to replicate the boom of the first episode release and then the second. And obviously, in between that, they can then put out all their extra content, like some of the behind-the-scenes. Like They really kept up a sustained campaign between Stranger Things 1 and 2, right. while also you know having new stuff come out, you know, new movies. And you know the Umbrella Academy was a big show that released in, in between. So I, I, I like splitting the seasons up. As you say, it keeps people in, in engaged for two quarters in a row. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's the new way to go for sure. I think it helps with the, the podcasting industry, which is basically free marketing for them too. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many podcasts that cater to, you know, either that age level content or just nerdier sci-fi that genre content stuff that will cover this. But it's so hard. I'm speaking as a person who did this. Like you're, you, they literally put it out in uh, a holiday weekend both times, uh, and me and my partners here had to watch, you know, eight hours or five hours of content depending on which volume. And it's like try to make it up in a weekend and then have an analysis out by Monday. So it really kind of, <laughs> it, it obviously they have pros where they would give it ahead of time a little bit to kind of let them do it but uh, I mean, vo- volume two they didn't uh, actually oh no, yeah they kept that one yeah they kept that one behind closed doors uh, volume one is definitely the case but also i think if it works strategically with the story right i think volume one uh, of stranger things left things in such a way that gets you hyped up you know it's a cliffhanger not every episode is going to have a cliffhanger yeah so if it works if it works creatively with the story too i think you know you, if you you can strike the iron hot, and that's why we got such a weird season there, you know, right. the last when you got two episodes in volume two. But it, yeah, it, re- it really worked well, um, and and hopefully it's the uh, uh, and it, and and I should stress it shouldn't apply to every series. I think you're probably talking like every one in ten, maybe. Sure. Um, and and save it for your biggest one, but there's no reason why The Witcher couldn't end, you know, halfway through a season. Yep. On a, on a, a big battle, and then then it carries on in a couple months. Yeah. Um, which gives everyone a time to catch up. Um, it doesn't allow people to get out of uh, pace completely with weekly. Like I, I constantly did that with Kenobi mm-hmm. where I was, you know, out of sync for a week and then I got it all spoiled online. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one, but it's just evolving and it's, you know, I think we'll still see reality TV release weekly in some 
some places, you know, the docu docu series Untold right. is coming back next month, and that's having four episodes. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I like the split episode, uh, split seasons personally. Is that probably going to happen for something like The Crown? I think is still to come this year. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen with this season. I think they've they've technically give it an extra season anyway was season six wasn't actually planned sure um so you could argue we're technically getting it anyway um but it will yeah it'll probably be next year um but yeah big big ones like that i think would work well it, it and and as well it, it helps optimize the budget up front because you can film them all at once and then have some in the bag for a bit later on um rather than let the production shut down people go do other projects and then you're rebooting everything up which is you know costly so right well, that that's more of like obviously TV strategy. The the movie strategy is still confounding a lot of people, even myself as a mm-hmm. person who covered it for over three <laughs> years. And you and I have gone back and forth with all of this. We we survived the hey Red Notice is going to be the Super Bowl too. Oh my God, that was a piece of crap. And even but a lot of people <laughs> watch it, so is it a success? We already had that kind of a conversation with Netflix and their whole strategy of kind of putting it out for a week beforehand. They did that with Red Notice, Army of the Dead, some of these other ones. Do you think now that we're seeing The Gray Man come out this week on Friday, are you seeing anything where like there's either a momentum or or that the the theater strategy is working or do, is there anything to point to that makes this situation any different than maybe some of these past what some people would call mockbusters in the past? Yeah, no, probably probably not. I, I don't think The Grey Man is going to move the needle. I, I actually think the first movie that could do well theatrically for Netflix and, and actually upend uh, their model so far, because I actually think Grey Man is just a continuation of what we've seen with other big budget action movies. Yeah. It's just that, um, you know, a cast this size and the, the directors behind it just demanded... Uh, you know, a, a bigger budget. Um, I do, I do think it's the way we're going to go, where it's you know, v- visible talent on front up front. But I think Knives Out could be the change, right? I think if you if you you do a proper theatrical run, particularly because people were accustomed to seeing the first one in cinemas too. Right. Uh, so I, I, I don't. I still think that um, the film strategy is what it is. Um, as I say, I think the fact that they went and got Sony Sony movies to complement their own um, as, a, as an output deal and they haven't got output deals for TV uh, speaks volumes about what's coming out on the movie front. Right. Um, but ge- generally, I don't think we're going to see a huge shift. I think The Grey Man is significant. I do think it is going to beat Red Notice in terms of hours watched. I think in so. which case, it, it will probably have done, his, have done its job uh, because they get to say that it's one of the biggest movies of the year, which... I don't know how you compare that against box office, but they're probably not not completely wrong with that statement. Yeah, I mean, their global reach, the amount of subs, I mean, they're definitely going to have a huge number laid upon it. I just wonder at what point, because they keep doing this thing where they, they greenlit sequels for this movie even before people have seen it. They did that with Red Notice after the fact they greenlit two more of them. And so... It obviously works for them on some level, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sorry, we no. we we also saw, yeah, we also saw that uh, quite early on in Netflix, right? Uh, you know, Bright instantly got a sequel. Yeah, Defno instantly got a sequel. Um, but where are they? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I think just because they give it franchise hope in the beginning, hopefully that gets them a few headlines, which you know teases people. You know, the the only thing that we've had even close to franchises, you know, is some of the rom com stuff, which have gone on to receive 
two or three movies. You know, Extraction yeah. is really the only big budget one that's now got a second movie, which is coming out early next year. Um, and Enola Holmes, you could argue, is in that category too. Sure. Um, but yeah, well, Ge- Old Guard is filming right now too, right? Yes. Yeah, Old Guard. So that yeah, that's a, that's another good example. Um, but yeah, ge- generally a lot of the sequels sort of just die die slow death. I su- suspect Death Note Two is definitely done. Yeah. Especially now they're giving a series to the Duffer Brothers. Exactly. So. Yeah, I heard about that. But yeah, I I just don't see like franchising. They're so much better at doing the TV version of this than they are the film version of this. And I don't know if that's because of how they actually do the strategy model with releasing these. They don't eventize them as much as like a Disney does their movies, you know, or, or cause obviously they have legacy IP, but mm-hmm. you know, the MCU was created from the ground up. I mean, you have Marvel comics of course, but there's been a million Marvel movies that didn't work before the MCU was created and everybody, I know every studio is trying to find their version of it, but I just feel like they keep just greenlighting it, hoping that there is a thirst for something, but they don't do a lot to cultivate that thirst, but they do that way better when it comes to something like stranger things, which is why I think it's successful. Yeah. And it's probably an exception to the rule stranger things. As you say, it's, it's hard. And a lot of the time, I think it's actually hard to differentiate between Netflix originals as, as it is, you know, we're now at the point where the U S library is now comprised of nearly 50% of Netflix yeah. originals versus licensed content. And it's really hard when you just see an, uh, an N logo on a, on a title, on a tile, what, what exactly that means, you know, um, yeah. it, it may, uh, whereas if you go on other other streamers right now, you know, if it has the universal, if it's in the universal section or, you know, has a 20th Century Fox, you know, that means something. And I, I think sure. it, it's, a, it's a damn shame that Netflix hasn't now built up internal teams and actually give them, give them names and, and branding, you know, like some of like the Sea Beast should be among, uh, should have a logo sting you know their premiere like Pixar, you know, yeah. because if you, if I tell you to go see a Pixar movie versus just a name of a movie it means something it evokes you know evokes uh, emotions and it evokes uh, you know gives you so- at least some level as to what i expect you know but if i read out the pale blue eye could you tell me what that movie is or where where it's coming from or you know it's 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 a, it's a tricky one and it's something i've always said and I, and i think they need to do a better job um of you know giving giving stuff branding ahead of time yeah in, in some in some way even if it's not actually you know, explicitly saying, look, this is a $200 million movie, because you wouldn't know that about The Gray Man unless you actually went and looked into it. Um, but if you yeah. if it was labeled under something like Netflix, um, you know, I, I always said like having gold tier, silver tier and bronze tier, at least you know r- roughly what you're in for and what they're putting the eggs, you know, where they're putting their eggs. So Yeah, and especially we've talked about in the past that like they're having these eventized things like Geeked Week or, you know, and, mm-hmm. and having the Netflix Geeked Twitter thing and they have very uh narrow silos in terms of the Twitter stuff or the social media stuff, but then they don't follow that up with kind of revamping the homepage to kind of pitch to something like that. Um yeah. which might be something to look at, especially when you consider Disney you know, with all the things they acquired, the first thing you see when you open up Disney is right up top is what's new in in a sliding fashion. The And then mm-hmm. right under that is the t- tiles of their major IP with Marvel, yep. Star Wars, Pixar, National Geographic, Simpsons, things of that nature. So if you know what people come for, put it right there. 
I uh, separate yeah. it out and and make it to where people I'm into this. Let me go to this. And this is often where they, they then get criticized for the algorithm because, you know, the algorithm is really what feeds people what to see. Um, but I think the global top tens prove, if, if anything, that, um, you know, freshness is what drives the top tens yep. and probably most of viewing on Netflix. You know, every time that the, uh, the first of the month rolls around and there's new license titles, they instantly get thrown up onto people's page right at the top in the real real estate. Right. And I think that's a lot of the trouble is that I think Netflix is losing a lot of its. Um, they often say that it's tip of the iceberg, but I actually think Netflix's viewing is becoming more and more concentrated to the top of that iceberg, as opposed to a deep, rich library which you're able to browse and 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 view stuff. I think you know if it's if it's new, then you probably check it out. But once it's been out for a few weeks and the months, and there's something new, then they lose that. So I think I think optimizing in terms of that would be a priority for sure. And then um, I, I just want to kind of maybe wrap up this conversation with something that I already kind of just brought up with Tadum, everybody's favorite sound and or ventized space, right? Casey, that, that's how we feel about it, right? Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but so this is coming out September 24th, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern here in the States, where at least this time last year, they had a three hour event, which basically had no real rhythm to it or separation by region they just kind of weaved in and out of projects and it felt a little disorganized or a little obnoxious to people who only care about one thing yeah and it's gonna i actually think it's gonna be harder to know that as well because they've they've lumped in latin america with the us and eu yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how it pans out they've teased over 100 titles in it i think a lot of it's going to be to do with um what's coming out ahead of christmas um, right but i also think that we there's there's potential for a lot of surprises um there's a lot of stuff that we know is either finished filming and not due out for a while that they could easily develop some teasers but ho- hopefully it's uh it, it doesn't go on forever i find geek week to be a bit tedious because of how long it's on for yeah sure. um and really and really you could condense it to a single article or an hour and a half um so it'll be interesting to see how how effective it is again why they've called it to doom when they've got a blog that's got the same name, but it's nothing to do with a blog. You can't even watch to doom as far as I'm, I know <laughs> it's actually a YouTube thing. Right. Like that would have made sense to have that. Or even if you're developing your own live stream techno- technology, which is apparently what Netflix is doing, why you wouldn't debut it with something like this, you know? Yeah. Just um, call it Netflix fest. I've said this. It, it's, it's, it's exactly what it is. It's just a, you know, a preview show. It's a, it's a clip yeah. show, you know? So it's, it's not that big a deal. It is basically one three hour thing that I was like, that could have been an email. And for you, it probably was. <laughs> so, you know, between like, give me a PDF of what's coming up and when it's coming out and who's going to be in it. Um, but, is there something in mind for you that looks like it's going to maybe be a centerpiece thing? Like in the past, I know uh, last year there was a lot of Stranger Things stuff. There was a yes. lot of Bridgerton stuff. There was, uh, you know, uh, uh, they showed uh, little snippets of like, hey, Extraction 2 is coming. Noah Holmes 2 is coming. They're still not here. So <laughs> it's a year yeah. later and they still haven't come to to some of these but they really went hard for a lot of stuff that was coming out in the next few months after they did that uh what do you see coming up that is probably going to be a big showcase so i made a few predictions i actually think we'll get a first look at avatar the last airbender 
Airbender, which I think is going to be a huge hit or a huge miss. Um, it was mentioned to be um, a franchise potential for Netflix. I, I actually don't know how because they don't own it, but it's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think some of the Zack Snyder stuff could turn up there. I think Rebel Moon is is doing quite well. We all know Snyder loves teasing stuff. He does. Uh, and I also yeah. think One Piece could be the other big thing. And I also hope that we get to see a, a little hope, uh, a little clip of the free body problem, which is, has a huge, huge budget. Um, comes from David Benioff and DB Wise. That one's mm. been filming for ages now. Right. Um, so that one I've got, I, I'm throwing a lot of weight behind. I hope it's as good as the early seasons of Game of Thrones. Um, so how yeah. gun shy do you think they are after Cowboy Bebop just completely crapped the bed with all these other kind of live action anime conversions? I, I, I well, and and not only that, I mean, more recently, it's Resident Evil. You know, it's um that one has fell on its fa- face a little bit. Sure, um, but the I, video game I, conversion I, one is a whole other conversation. Most of those fail. I don't know why true. we keep doing them. Well, actually, I, I, you know, Netflix is actually got a fairly decent track record, at least when it's converting it to animated. Like Castlevania is, okay, is known sure. for being really good. Arcane is probably one of the best video game adaptations in history. Um, so it's not like they don't have the ability. It's just as I as I've ranted before, and I am somewhat obsessed. I just don't understand how you could get a load of people in a room. And, and if any of them are Resident Evil fans, they'd go, "We what we need here is a young adult. Um, high school drama <laughs> it just uh, biggest belief it's particularly when you've got people like mike, mike flanagan and uh, del toro working for you sure um you know surely surely some either of those could have come up with you know if you ask any resident evil fan what they're after it's you know a good horror so right it's, but which, that's not what we got which flanagan has a, a project do you think we're gonna see some of the uh the october stuff uh more of the the horror bent stuff with that too for sure, I think I think uh, we'll see a hell of a lot of stuff that's coming out uh, towards the tail end of the year. I think it's actually going to be a primer to you know get a subscription back for that those last three year uh, three months of the year, and I think they are going to be fairly big um, from what we what we know is coming out. You know, even on the movie side is pretty pretty stacked. Yeah. Um, even if not everything's going to be a home run, um, we still don't know every. Well, yeah, we don't know everything on the on the TV side yet, but yeah, there's there's good stuff coming out. Yeah, on the movie side, I think like something like School for Good and Evil could work for them. That they'd probably hope that to be a future franchise thing as well. Especially if you got Paul Feig and and a bunch of stars at the helm. You know, Charlize Theron, who clearly doesn't mind working for Netflix long term uh, with a bunch no, of different sure. things. So that could that could definitely be helpful. Um, but obviously, we're probably gonna. Well, so Sandman is next month. So it'll be post Sandman. Yes. So I wonder if there'll be some kind of debrief on that, or if there's going to be season two. When is uh, the next one for The Witcher? Is that? Is... Uh, so that's Blood Origin, which I'm hearing is going to come towards the tail end of December. Okay. Um, obviously that could that could be pushed around. Um, but yeah, that I'd say that was one of the big December series. Um, I think The Crown is the big one for uh, November. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, October will be the horror, the more the sort of horror stuff, but then some of that could come in September. Um, and, and speaking of Del Toro, we do actually have his new series, which is Cabinet of Curiosities. Right. I actually don't think that's got the press it deserves just yet because I don't think we know enough about it, but that, that one has the potential to be huge. I mean, like, uh, it's kind of like horror, but for Black Mirror, or, you know, Black Mirror, but fully immersed in horror. Yeah. So. Well, he's kind of double dipping cause he's got Pinocchio coming out by the end of the year too. So, you know, yeah, his absolutely. name is going to be plastered everywhere in Netflix in the last quarter there. 
but yeah, is there anything else that I'm missing? Because I, I know a lot of the Oscar stuff that I'm looking forward to, like White Noise. Um, but I know you and I were talking off air. Two of their potential bigger, you know, Oscar-y titles or at least big-time director titles are maybe off the board for 2022. With Rustin looking like possibly 2023 now, and then also uh, the killer from David Fincher looking like that might not make it for the end of year. That's been kind of on the edge all this time, but you're saying looking more definitely 2023. I think so. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be able to fit it in, and it's it's not on any documents that I've seen. You know, they've they've done a bit of tweaking with that recently. Um, I think a few could, that could surprise would be Spaceman. It's another Adam Sandler movie, um, but they're not looking like anything. You know, Hustle was pretty decent and actually probably yeah. one of the best movies Netflix has released this year, or if not, you know, ever. I'd probably put that in my top 50 for sure. It's my favorite Netflix uh, film of the year. I, I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and obviously, the, uh, looking really closely is, is The Grey Man coming out on Friday. And it's. Uh, I think that one's going to, beat all expectations, uh, not all expectations. I think it's expected to do better than Red Notice, but I think it's going to pull in the numbers. It's actually quite a long film too. I think it, I think it comes in just above Red Notice, um, which is something that helped stra- uh, Stranger Things out. You know, it's massive long um, runtime really right. helps it when you're measuring hourly viewers. Yeah, um, this one, it's not too long. If I remember correctly, it's only a little over two hours. Like, so yeah, I don't think if, it's going to hurt too much in it, that. It regard. felt longer. <laughs> It felt longer. <laughs> I, I, I agree. And and stay tuned for next week uh, to my audience because we'll do a full uh, review on Nope, which I'm going to see on Friday, and Gray Man, which I have already seen. I don't uh, watching this now. I just I know the stars are going to pull them in, and I know mm-hmm. people like this type of movie, so they will watch it. I just don't know, especially now that you're already announcing sequels and such. I don't see this having any kind of legacy. They might make hmm. more. I wonder if they're going to get these stars to be back in the fold again, too. So I, I, I don't understand because especially Gosling took such a time off and this is what he comes back with. And I was just like, <laughs> OK, um, to be the lead, but not even the best part of a possible franchise is bizarre. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, if nothing else, they're doubling down on the uh, on the on the Russo brothers because they've got at least half a dozen other projects coming up for for Netflix exclusively. So that's yeah. uh, and on that, the Armas. <laughs> yes, yeah, and plenty of that. And I think that's what what you could see a lot more of is you know stars that have multiple titles throughout the year, and you know it keeps you engaged because if you like this title from them, you're probably going to like another one. And yeah, it's uh, almost yeah, like getting, they should bundle getting... them together and put them in a collection. Hmm. Yeah, and, and I think we uh, well exactly hundred uh, percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah I, I think the Gray Man's going to do the numbers. I actually think there's going to be a big split between what audiences and critics think on that one. Uh, I sim- believe so. similar fashion to Red Notice. I didn't I didn't realize how big that split was until I re re, re- looked it up recently. You know, uh, with audiences, that one's meant like a ninety percent. What you know, if if you read read the critics that one they don't like it at all so oh well, i didn't like it at all but i i also didn't think that uh i think i think it's because it. you probably sit on that whereas i I, True. I didn't hate it i didn't love it i thought it was serviceable which is um yeah <laughs> i thought it was incoherent and that's why i'm like surprised to hear that yeah i mean yeah 92 percent. i'm looking now <laughs> on the audience score yeah wow yeah. and a 6.3 on imdb so it's kind of split there but yeah mm. it's wild uh, <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. You've now sh- shook me to my core that maybe, uh, you know, I'm looking at this all wrong. 
But, you know, again, Netflix, very successful business. One of the, the, the biggest, you can arguably the only successful streamer right now because it's the only one actually making money. So, you know, we'll see where they put that money and how they're going to split up assets or, or keep that consumer moving along. Hopefully, To Doom gives us some surprises, something that, you know, we can actually be looking forward to coming up. Um, but I tell you, I look forward to talking to you again, sir, because it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on. Um, tell the people maybe what you got cooking over at What's on Netflix and maybe something to look forward to, especially coverage of To Doom. I'm sure you're going to be all over it. Yeah, yeah, we'll be all over that one. Uh, at the, right now, we're working on some of our 2023-2024 lists uh, okay. because we've pretty much got 2022 in the can one way or another at the moment. Um, so they're the big, big lists that we're working on for what's coming up. Um, uh, but yeah, gen- generally uh, same stuff. Uh, we're working on uh, yep, building out and hopefully, hopefully getting some reviews on the site soon. So it's uh, yeah, we'll st- we'll move into that that area. Hey, sounds great. Always good to see you, sir. And we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. All right, my thanks to Casey Moore from What's on Netflix. Go to what's-on-netflix.com or Google What's on Netflix to check out the latest comings and goings for Netflix content. And be sure to come back to our show next week as we cover the Netflix film The Gray Man, as well as our most anticipated movie of the summer, Jordan Peele's Nope. So we will see you next time on Recent Activity.